Sons of Man 1 delivering another episode for Hacker Public Radio. This is actually my fourth such episode. I kind of did this in reverse as it is that I had uh, been a guest guest of uh, Distorted Science uh, some time ago. And I had done Asterix uh, Revolutionary Telephony Platform at the Astrocon and I figured I'd come back and do uh, finally do a Linux uh, how do I found how I found Linux or how I got into Linux so here it goes uh, I came late to the PC game I, I am not a traditional uh, computer person per se uh, no computer science background I am an autodidact which is uh, in a few words someone who learned by doing as many of you probably are uh, I found my first uh, computer, or rather uh, got a hold of my first PC in 1995. In 94, I was exposed to the internet uh, via NCSA Mosaic web browser. And, of course, the very robust, venerable Unix operating system was the introduction, or at least for me, it was the internet, and for a lot of other people as well. So, having come in contact with the Spark 1s, Spark 5s of the Sun OS fame, um, the now defunct Solaris, uh, excuse me, now defunct uh, Sun Microsystems Corporation uh, gave us those hardware platforms which really stoked my interest in Unix and as I mentioned earlier it was the internet and at that point the wide world web which caught my fancy and I really needed to have a lot more or really want to get a lot more experience with the Unix operating system so I needed to learn about file system management uh, ownership file permissions so when you copy things to doc root of a web page and, and in those days everybody had to tilde and username which is how uh, students at school uh, were able to uh, have their own web pages and so once I got my feet wet if you will in Unix operating system I figured out that I needed to f- have it at home and in those days having a spark at home was prohibitively expensive back in you know circa 90s what have you it's very expensive so uh, there had to be some other way and someone said hey you know what um, you may want to consider using uh, Linux and I guess before I made that choice uh, and it was introduced to me you know, I had a PC at home uh, in 95 uh, finally was able to get my hands on one and the PC was uh, of the Windows for the Windows for Workgroups 3.11, which was uh, it's important to note that in those days the Windows operating system was not a networked operating system. Uh, the company Microsoft had no clue uh, that networking was important, or the internet for that matter was important. They were trying to put everybody in some sort of proprietary uh, container-like prodigy, and those other people were doing it at the same time. And, of course, the AOL community was also doing at the same time. So um, there wasn't a lot of hope for me with uh, Windows for networking, Windows for, Net- for Windows for work and networking 3.11. And uh, so I just went ahead and took the advice of someone I was working with and picked up uh, a book called Linux Unleashed. 
Linux Unleashed was uh, a fantastic uh, awakening for me because it had the uh, Slackware CD in there, uh, version 2.00, I believe it was, with the 1.2.13 kernel. Um, as I mentioned before, up until that time, my only way to work on uh, a Unix-based operating system or a Unix-like operating system was to do this at school. Um, and I would have to say that I experienced the Linux, or rather the Unix renaissance, at my alma mater, Florida University in Tallahassee. And uh, it was there that uh, many of my fellow classmates, uh, fellow hackers, if you will, uh, got their feet wet as well in the Unix. And I learned a lot from many of them that were there. And as a consequence, it then stoked my interest in learning Unix at home. And to do that, as I mentioned before, the only way to do that at that time was uh, getting yourself into Linux. So I got the book Linux Unleashed, opened it up, and I was the the one geek walking around with a fat 360-page, maybe 400-page document. It looked almost like a dictionary. I had it on my arm and walked all over the place with that. I read it. I got involved in it, immersed myself in it. Uh, the most difficult thing for me at the time to learn was interpreting chat scripts. The chat script in those days were used to communicate with the dial-up modems that were uh, prevalent. Uh, in fact, I had a robotics 14.4 uh, uh, kilobaud, I believe it is, modem that we used, and the chat scripts were the PPP chat scripts, excuse me, were designed to communicate with the modems. Um, I think I use it wasn't Kermit. Well, I did use Kermit, but in this particular case, I used a uh, NCurses-based uh, application that allowed me to communicate with um, the modem itself. And I can't remember that at the, at the moment. I, I, once I do, I'll put it in the show notes. But essentially, that application allowed me to communicate with the modem and it was probably the most difficult thing for me to comprehend at the time and how those chat scripts worked it was like magic <laughs> but it, they did work eventually and I was able to connect to the, the internet and uh, actually start browsing the web from home on a different operating system at the time I was still uh, dual booting because I thought that I needed that other operating system on my computer uh, to do other work at the time the application features or rather the availability of whole applications different distributions were smaller then um, and they weren't always as compatible so uh, you might need to have uh, certain things where uh, like a, uh, an office suite or you might need to have some other application so I did some dual booting it wasn't until much later that I started getting into this thing called uh, virtual machines. And, and I think there was sometime in like 99, I got my copy of VMware 1.0. And it was horribly slow because it was mis, you know, mismanaged in those days. And it was in its nascent form where virtual management or virtual machines took up so much memory. And in those days, memory was not um, inexpensive. 
and it was uh, something that people tried desperately to preserve in the mid to late 90s so it was a tough it was a tough order so out of that whole interest in Linux at home I learned a little bit about networking uh, because obviously at the time I had one desktop because it was pretty expensive for me to put together another box but ultimately I needed to uh, learn how to do some networking if I wanted to uh, have other machines on the network or have an understanding of how to get two computers to talk to each other and so of course as I mentioned you in those days we had Windows computers and it wasn't until much later that those Windows computers and I say much later probably in the late 90s that those Windows computers began uh, to get networked and and to uh, not only network amongst themselves from computer to computer but also getting them out onto the internet so when Windows NT 4.0 came into being it was a much more polished type of uh, experience if you were talking about a Windows machine if you want to call it polished I think Windows NT uh, took a page out of the BSD stack I think they took the TCPIP stack from BSD if I wasn't mistaken um, someone might have more accuracy uh, experience than I do but I thought that was the case but anyway um, I began to work with NT and something called the Yellow Pages and NIS to get these uh, Solaris machines to network with these Windows NT machines and labs and such so they could talk to each other and authenticate the users that might sit down at those Windows computers to authenticate themselves to the rest of the network so fast forward a little bit you know the Linux experience got me interested in networking and as a consequence I could take that knowledge that I experimented with at home bring it back to the labs at school and people were pretty happy with that knowledge that I had and I became one of the people that uh, others would seek out for advice on how networking should work it was funny it wasn't like the all of the students were interested in YP and NIS that was more of a, a, a job that I created for myself working with some professors at school uh, the students were more so interested in dial-up networking uh, with Windows computers and the awful you know networking stack that was Winsock that Microsoft had and it was NetBuoy and crap like that those are the things that students were interested in getting to work not so much the underpinnings of it but just getting the damn thing to dial and connect to the to the rotary system at school uh, so I ended up getting free meals I ended up getting a little cash you know a little music for some mixtapes that I would <laughs> I would buy and you know do that sort of thing on the sh uh, on campus and so it, it became worth my while to really learn how to get the stuff working for people so that uh, you know they could connect so we talked about the chat strips we talked about Winsock we talked about NetBuoy things like that uh, eventually uh, I began to uh, as I was working with Slackware at home I eventually began to branch into something called Red Hat 4.2 uh, I I actually set that up for some people at school um, I did some work for some professors with 4.2 that was actually the platform where I installed YP or the Yellow Pages NIS for this authentication uh, assignment that I had 
and we did the authentication, we could actually tie in the uh, the print quotas and such like that for each individual lab because I think the overall problem we were trying to solve was to stop people from stealing our paper or wasting paper as they were you know, working the lab in the midnight hours. We needed to figure out who was in there, what they were doing, and how much of the paper they were using because the print quota was very important. So Web 4.2 was a platform that the professor wanted me to use and that's what I learned so I got a chance to learn not only Slackware but I got a chance to learn Red Hat as well. Uh, fast forward 2000, 2001, 2003 I started to learn a little bit about Debian. Uh, I got involved with Debian on a humble so to speak. Uh, my first Debian distribution was Potato I believe it was and I would later use Debian as some business deployments, which I use now as a consultant for small to medium-sized businesses, primarily independent healthcare professionals. I deploy uh, web services on Debian these days, um, OpenVPN for authentication and data encryption, and also uh, file management services, back office services like Samba and things of that nature. That's my holy trinity, if you will. You know, OpenVPN, Samba, and uh, those types of things working together with, of course, Apache and your LAMP stack. A uh, pretty robust solution to provide. Uh, I would, of course, use Slackware for those things as well, but I think for some people, they, they would rather me use Debian only because it's easier for them to, to deploy packages, so on and so, quote unquote, as they would think. And I'm not going to get into the, <laughs> to the dependency management. I never have a problem with it, but for others that deploy it, they would tend to use uh, AppGet more so than trying to understand uh, things like SBOPG or you know Slack builds stuff like that. That's a whole nother discussion. But anyway, uh, I, I'm not much of a a, a uh, distribution jumper. Uh, Slackware has been my distribution of choice and it will continue to be that for my home use and uh, I'm not ashamed of that because I love Slackware and it's done a lot for me taught me a lot about the Unix uh, operating system per se or at least uh, it's the most Unix like operating system uh, Linux distribution that you can find in my opinion and it's taught me a lot I owe a great debt to uh, Patrick and the, of course the rest of the Slackware team that has taught me so much uh, over the years um, these days uh, the only other distribution I may play with uh, would be CentOS because uh, I run Asterix on that uh, in full deployment I also run Asterix on OpenBSD at home um, I have delved a bit into Arch um, because the latest one of the one of the Myth TV distributions runs on Arch uh, it used to be not Myth but now it's an Arch-based distribution that I might use. And uh, pretty much that is my experience. That has been my experience. Um, networking is something that I really enjoy. Um, heterogeneous networks is the norm these days. So you have to be able to speak all kinds of protocols. And the Linux operating system has taught me much about networking and the ability to get computers to do what you want from a networking perspective. I'm not much of a scripter, I, I, I just hack at it and get things to work the way I need, but uh, like I said earlier, Unix uh, was the thing that got me interested in going 
the step further in finding Linux as an option. And Linux became a, a, a lot to me in terms of helping me uh, with school, in terms of getting money in my pocket, <laughs> getting me food in my belly, all that good stuff. So um, that pretty much is my story of how I came to Linux or how I discovered Linux. I want to thank Ken Fallon, Dan Washko, and Klaatu for inspiring me to tell this particular story. Uh, and I encourage others to submit their how I got to Linux or how I got introduced to Linux stories. Um, I do find them interesting. Uh, submit If you can't submit that type of discussion or show, submit any show of your choosing because we are running low on shows and Hacker Public Radio is a great service to the community. So I thank everyone for listening. Until next time, sons of man. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 License.